And praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. I don't look like Sal Bria. He has more hair than I do. He will be here next week. And let me just tell you that our, our series that we're doing in life groups is going to be general session, which means in this auditorium. Next week, Brother Sal Bria will be talking about financial investing. And uh, because the theme of this life group is, is future planning. And um, the Bible says to store up for winter. Let me know that. There's going to be a day and time in your life that you can't do what you're doing now. Anybody feeling that coming on them yet? Yeah. And uh, you won't be as good as you were at one, one point in strength and energy. They tell me that Uncle Arthur start joining the family at somewhere in the future. Your hands hurt, your joints hurt, your knees hurt, and whatever else hurts. Um, there'll be a time you won't be able to do what you're doing now. And so he's going to talk about that. He does that. He's, a, he's bivocational. He's a pastor. The following week, he will be doing Q&A in a side room, anybody interested. And Susan McDonald will be coming back. She's a lawyer in town. And be talking about uh, wheels and living wheels and estate planning. And the following week after that, she will be doing Q&A right here. And um, why will we talk about living wills and testaments and things of that nature? Because I have preached so many funerals and people had no plan. That's the truth. And I felt like that as a pastor, it was a need that needed to be met biblically. And so uh, even, even people that have been through things had not made wills and, and took care of um, estate planning. And uh, because it's not cultural here, it must not be. It must not be taught, talked about in the families. Uh, to have life insurance, to plan ahead, to think ahead. And I don't want to be caught up in an in a off-the-cuff generation culture. How I many know the Bible talks about stewardship and planning? And so I'll talk a little bit about it tonight. And uh, we're we are looking about just taking, and let me, let me take my time here for a moment to talk about future planning. What I've seen is at funerals, unnecessary emotions come on because nothing was ever talked about. Didn't know where things were. People are trying to figure out in, in the moment they thought the person was going to live through the heart attack. Did not. Trying to find all the paperwork. Where's it at? Where's the insurance paper? What's coming? How are we going to pay the bills? What, what's the mortgage payment? What's going to happen to the house? What's going to happen to the car? Where am I going to be at? Am I going to be homeless? So all of those things can be taken care of in advance. Can you say amen? With minimal time, minimal planning, and certainly what I've seen is minimal money. I, I've seen in one situation they had to pay a couple thousand dollars to keep the vehicle that could have been kept for free with just simply a signature. Just, just a signature. And, uh, but we never think it's going to happen. And I've seen so many. Probably preached 30 funerals in the last three years. <laughs> Nearly one a month. Amount of funerals that I've preached. And uh, I'm not trying to be depressing here tonight. But I'm trying to say that we need to take care of business. And it brings confidence. How many's ever had that stress? You've got this looming over you. I need to take care of this. I meant to take care of it. Anybody ever done that? Oh, I meant to. And that meant to turns into 30 years. Of course, no, nobody in here. I'm preaching this for somebody watching online tonight. Uh, let's all stand. 
Let's all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. And I want us to lift our hands and ask God to move upon us. The Lord's going to touch in this room tonight in a mighty way. We feel your presence. And we know that you are here. God, you know our intent. The much planning that's went into these next few weeks. Much discussion and prayer. I pray that you would move upon every guest tonight. Every saint of God that is gathered in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And everybody says amen. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, reading with verse 1, Hebrews 12 and 1, and, and uh, let's read from that portion of Scripture tonight. Wherefore, it says, Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, not just a sin, or a sin, but the sin. Everybody's got an issue, a hang-up, a weakness. Lay aside the sin, which does so what? Easily. The sin attacks you easily. What is a temptation for somebody else might not be a temptation for you. And what's not a temptation for somebody else can be very easily you struggle with. How many's ever had a struggle? That's right. Easily tempts you, easily attacks you. And it says, and these sin which does so easily be set, means attacks in all directions. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Somebody shout, looking to Jesus. Oh, how many glad you got your eyes on him tonight? How many love him? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. We talk a lot about starting, but we need to talk about finishing tonight. Everybody shout the author and the finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you say amen? He was able to endure the cross and despise the shame for the joy that was set before him. Jesus had binoculars on the cross. He was looking some 2019. Man, that's a close-up of some of you. Amen. Better be glad you fixed your hair before you came to church. I would know it right now. He looked 2019 to 2019 from the cross. He was a looking ahead. Why? To be the author and the finisher of our faith. Not just starting this thing, not just existing. I want you to know this tonight, he saw you before you came to the altar, he saw you when you came to the altar, and he's already seen where you'll be after the altar. He's alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the ending. Are you ready? Which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Aren't you glad he didn't just wait on you? He saw you when you were dirty. He saw you when he cleaned you up. And he saw the destiny for you, amen, after you gave your heart to him. Somebody shout, there's a destiny in him. Amen. I'd like to preach to you about future planning and simply the word legacy. Everybody shout, the author and the finisher of my faith. 
Tell your neighbor not to sit on their binoculars when they're seated. Amen. Don't, don't sit on your binoculars. Put your binoculars in your lap tonight when we're teaching. Everybody got a set of binoculars with you tonight? Just pretend with me for a moment. You may be seated. What's the point? What's the point of binoculars? The point of binoculars is a magnifier. It takes things that are a long ways off and makes it closer. Brother Sharp, it's hunting season, and I've got one of these in my hunting backpack. So I can see afar off to see what's coming my way. I've got a set of these. You know what that is? That's something that looks at the present and magnifies it so I can read a little better. Because my wife told me I need glasses at 841. Amen. And she's right about it. My brother convinced me that she was right about it. I said, I don't need glasses. He said, put these on. Look at those fine print in my ball cap. Boy, it's so easy to read what was inside that ball cap when I put these on. He was right. These glasses allow me to see something that is small. It, a detail that is present. It's a present view. Allow me to see what is right now. We have to take time to take care of now. But my concern is if we only take care of now, we're not going to be ready for tomorrow. That's right. One of the things we do here, and last night we did a training with our ministers and wives and some other couples that were there and some leaders, but we trained them on how to teach premarital counseling and marriage counseling, trying to buff up the team for that because we believe the church is really going to grow. We trained our daughter works in that because one of the things that I do, and in our minister's training class, I train everybody that's in that minister's training to do everything that I do. Why? Because there's going to be 50 churches in southeastern Ohio, I believe, that are from the Anchor Church. It's not present, but it's, it's what? It's a vision in the future. And if we're going to see that in the future, we got to operate now and do things now to believe for the future. I can't wait on that to get there and, and the door open and then we don't have enough people to put in 50 cities. We've been planting and working and teaching and training for a long time to send out now seven campuses and, and uh, outside of this one and Guatemala and, and they're doing the same there. It's multiplication. And so why do we do that? Why do we do all the training structure on Saturday and minister's class once a month on Tuesday? Why do we do that? Because 15 years ago, we had a set of binoculars. What were we doing? We were looking 15 years from now. Everything can't be done about right now. You have to look beyond now. There's going to be a moment when you don't, when you're going to be retired. And uh, uh, the, the amount of money that people save up for retirement is very little. One study said an average person brings in about $10,000 a year in retirement. That's, that's not much to live off of. Not in retirement. But how did it get there? How did it happen? No one taught how to store up for winter. Looking 40 years from now. We teach Financial Peace University here. And uh, what we do, it's all about removing debt because our culture says, just, just live on the now. Uh, get the big screen TV that you want right now. And uh, uh, somebody one time got a $5,000 loan 
for 15 years. A 15-year loan, 15 years on 5,000. You know what? That's ignorant. It's lack of teaching. It's lack of teaching. It's not right. But people do it because they have to have it now and some shark took advantage of somebody. And uh, I made my mind up. The people our pastors are going to have some biblical views and going to get the best teaching, the best training. I can't give it all to you, but I'm going to bring the best in to give it to you. I want you to be ready. I really do. I want you to retire at your best. And why are we talking about this now? Because the amount of money, and you're going to learn this next week, that you would, you would have in retirement if you would start retirement at age 20. At age 20, Tucker. How old are you? He's 15 and a tank. That's what he is. This is, this is Brother Tank. Amen. This is Brother Tank right here. Did y'all know that? This is the tank right here. He's 15. I want his dad to come. Stay with me. I want his dad to come. This is, this is uh, tank number two. Amen. This is tank number three. And I want his dad to come. And this is the number one tank right here. Brother Dave Brown. Come on, Brother Dave Brown. Come down here with me. Brother Cody, if you could, get three of those chairs beside Brother Aaron and, uh, and Brother Sal. I mean, uh, Sawyer. Bring me. Maybe he's going to be the financial advisor. He sure does like money. Amen. His favorite color is gold. <laughs> Brother Brown, I taught this here before, but set these over here a little bit so everybody can see them. And a little further away from the edge. You're welcome, Brother Brown. I knew you would do that when you got up here because you're the wisest among the three. And uh, you don't have to connect them. They just, just spread them apart here a little bit. Hey, Brother Tucker, right here. Brother Dave, I mean, uh, Brother Dave and Brother Burt, right here. This is all the same person at three stages of their life. Here's what we do, though. We get, put those on. They're, they're not too bad. It, it's a little bit bad. This is what you're taught. You're taught when you turn 18, guess what's coming in the mail? Anybody know what's coming in the mail? Yeah, and a razor. That's right, because they know. They, you're going to get credit card in the mail because you're an adult now. And just in case, it's amazing this company sent you blank checks. Then you can write to go buy whatever you want for thousands of dollars. And in fine print, at 28% interest. But we want you to know, go ahead, buddy, live life to the fullest so he can pay for it. Not just daddy, but that's going to be you in a few years. How old are you, Brother Bert? At 44, if you're not careful, when you're 44, you're going to be paying at 44 what the credit cards got you into at age 18. So what I'm trying to hand you, pull your seat over just a little bit. I know I can't pull that around with you sitting on it. But you take these off and put those on. You know what you call that? Wisdom. You know what those binoculars say? I'm not getting a new car. I'm going to buy a used one. 
And instead of at 21, when you get married, Brother Tucker, that might be prophecy, I don't know. But if you get married at 21, you're not going to go buy the nicest house that you've got to work overtime to pay. You're going to get a fixer-upper. That's right. Because if we're not careful, we'll try to have in our mid-20s what it took dad to have at age 44, 24 years of, of accumulation. And if we don't talk about it, and everybody's saying, well, you know, this, this is what people in the street say. When you look at somebody say, uh, you look at somebody when they're in school, and I tell them, friend school, I say, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes, you're 15. <laughs> you got to die somehow. That's the stupidest, stupidest. I said stupid in church, and that was stupid to say stupid in church. That's the dumbest statement ever. Waste years of your life because everybody else is smoking. You're going to be a moment that you as the children of the king, you say, I want life to be for the fullest. I have stood beside 40-year-olds in bed, laying in hospital bed, gasping for every breath, drowning above water because somebody convinced them to start smoking and it was cool. But it's not cool at age 40 when you can't breathe. And I know it's direct and it's strong, but somebody's got to talk about it. Somebody's got to talk about it. Everybody else is having sex before marriage. And, well, does that make it okay? It doesn't make it okay. Because what happens is, the Bible says, don't let it be named among you one time. What happens is, it will cause you to have emotions that do not belong in your life. Drama that is so unnecessary. Feeling permanent. Listen, sex causes people to feel permanently connected to people that were only temporary. You will feel strongly emotionally connected to somebody that God never had intended for you. That's why sex is saved from marriage. My goodness, I'm rambling right now, but I'm on point. It was saved for the person you're in covenant with. And to get that before the covenant creates confusion and chaos in your life. What this man would tell you, what this man would tell you is don't do what culture's doing. Culture will sink you. It'll dig a pit and bury you. You know what you need to do? This man and this man, they would tell you right now, Tucker, stay in the book. Stay in the book. This is you at age 44. This is you at age none of your business. How old are you, Brother Brown? He just retired this year. Hard worker. Jump up and give him a hand. This is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. Has it been a good life living for the Lord? Because I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to talk to yourself tonight. If you had an opportunity to go back with the gene at age 17. Run down here, Brother Gene. Come on. He's, how old are you, Brother Gene? All the ladies are getting nervous. I'm asking for people's ages tonight. 61. 61. Come over here. Any of you 17? or any? Jump up if you're 17. Are any of you 17? We have any 17-year-olds in the building? There's one. Remember, when you were 17, you got invited to a party and they offered you what? A beer. If that was you, what would you tell her? No, if that no, 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 run, run, get, no. Hold on, but they're going to laugh at you if you don't take that drink. What would you tell 
Let them laugh. Let them laugh. Run. <laughs> Run. Get. If he had it to do all over again, he would go back and shake himself at 17 and say, don't you dare take a drink of that alcohol. It sent you, it's going to send you in 30 years of drug addiction and alcoholism and addiction issues and cause you to lose everything. Every, am I, Amen. Yep. Still, 30, tell him, tell him. 30 years and it went like that. I turned around at 46 and thought, where did, where did that go? Start from there. Was it worth it, was it a, or was it a waste? A lot of wasted time. A lot of wasted time. But I use it now. I use that time now to remind me why. Why I would say to you, don't. 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 I mean it. It's, 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 it's a career ender. Property ender. Relationship ender. Life ender. I buried so many friends. I buried them at young ages. I'm glad I am where I am. But Brother Gene, what do I do with those binoculars? What he's doing, come up here, Autumn. What he's doing now is he stands beside a 17-year-old. He says, I've already been down that. So let me tell you what's next if you take the drink. It's a long view. It's a far off. But I can see where it's headed. That's right. That right there is called wisdom. And you never make decisions based on the now. Don't make decisions when you're angry. Don't make decisions when you're, you're low and you're depressed. Make decisions always on how is this going to affect me later. Don't pick up a cigarette. You might have an addictive nature that caused you to be bound to that. You know how I many people say, I'd love to quit. I just can't. Can't lay a piece of paper down with that stuff in it. Tobacco. They can't lay it down. They want to, but they can't. Only by the grace and the help of God. Now, how many know he can do it? He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody say wisdom. Y'all stay with me up here. Shout it again. Wisdom. When you look at scripture, the Bible talks about future planning. Proverbs 13, 22. Let's look and see what it says. Let's look and see what it says. Do you have that? A good man leaveth an inheritance. Everybody say an inheritance to his. What is it saying? That when a person is planning, they're taking care of the future. So you don't have to have a lot of money to take care of future. You just have to manage now based on future. And what happens is, the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance. Another word for inheritance is legacy. What are you leaving behind? To his what? Grandchildren. 
Everybody say grandchildren. What that means, he's looking so far off, he's looking past his or her life into the next generation, even to the next generation. You have to be quite selfless to be thinking that far ahead. You have to be able to say no to convenient marts and think about your food budget. People say, well, you know, I, I don't get to take, take nice vacations. And yet, they spend, their, they spend $20 a day at a convenient mart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody takes a, 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 a nice vacation and they've, they have stayed in, uh, they've taken packed lunches of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the other guy eats at Chipotle every Sunday. Every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. They got to have it because you begin to crave what you put in your body. So when the, t the budget gets tight, you stay eating at places that you cannot afford. And so you're taken away from future instead of planning for what you should have. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? I mean, you can get by pretty cheap with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that has it. Well, I don't like them. You eat them enough, you're going to like them. Or there's going to be a day in time you're not going to have enough money to do what you want to do then. If you don't plan now, you can't do it later. Somebody say amen. amen. So what I'm preaching to you tonight is you must think, if I'm making a decision, how's it going to affect me 10 years from now? I'm going to tell you, it saved me a whole lot of trouble thinking just 10 years. It's amazing, Brother Tucker, how much more money you'll have if you invest at age 20 instead of waiting till age 30. I did it here one time. I threw it on the screen, general numbers. But I'm going to tell you, next week you're going to hear about it. Is what happens, instead of getting that kid a brand new car, parents, you get him a used one and invest some money into retirement at age 20 instead of getting the car that everybody's going to gawk over for two years and they won't even wash it after three months. Come on, they're going to shine that thing until three months. Then it's not shine. It's lost. It's Y'all know what I'm talking about? Are y'all hearing me tonight? I'm telling you what I've learned in, in 12 years of pastoring is people don't think about tomorrow. They only think about what they want now. Did you hear about the kid the other day that pushed his BMW into the river because he wanted a Porsche? That's true. Made it on the news. He pushed his BMW in the water because his dad didn't get him a Porsche. Poor kid. I'm going to tell you what he needed. He needed a good. I looked at binoculars and didn't say what I was thinking. Amen. You know what he would say to you? Stand, Brother Bert. This is Bert. Excuse me, this is all Dave. I don't want to confuse it. Dave at 44. We'll tell Dave at 15. You're strong. But don't you dare lift that heavy weight in the back of that truck without help. Because if you pull L4 and L5, I'm going to be hurting at age 44. We know you're tough. But don't dare damage your back because you're impatient. Did I do pretty good on that? Did I tell him right? Not only, you be seated. Not only is he going to pay for that back trouble at age 44. How old are you, Brother Brown? 67. 
At 60, oh my goodness, at 67, it's just going to magnify. Wouldn't that be nice if you could go back? Anybody in the room would like to go back and have a conversation with yourself at age 15? I know they can't. But anybody else in the room? How many would do some things different? Well, that's why we're having this class tonight and the next few weeks. We're going to give you an opportunity at age 44, maybe even at age 67, that can say there's some things I wish I had known. That's the goal of future planning, is to take these all for a moment and let you see what's really going to happen in your life and do it according to the author and the finisher of your faith that knows what's next. How many believe he knows what's next? Brother Bert, I have to say, what would you tell Tucker? What would you tell yourself at age 15? Brother Dave, what would you tell your, 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 yourself at age 15? And what would you tell yourself at age 44? I believe that what he would say would be something like this. Be faithful to God. What would you tell him about living for God, Brother Dave? Living for God is being consistent every day in the faithfulness of a prayer life. Even when you don't feel it, you got to go to prayer because that's where your answer is, that's where your help is, that's where your strength is, that's where your provision is because he owns the cattle and the gold and all the silver on the hills and he is my healer. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God for what he's doing. So what I'm asking you to do is to not stay home. But the reason that you come to church is so you can see what only God can see. How many know he knows the next move? He knows next year. He knows what's going to happen to the U.S. economy. And when the Lord, through his spirit and through his word, says, stop spending, don't do that. Set this back for a period of time. He speaks to you about giving. You need to obey his voice because he knows what's next. Everybody shout, he knows what's next. Brother Dave, this is on a completely different spectrum, really, because this is no longer you at three stages of life. This is you and your son and your grandson. What's amazing now about your 67-year journey is they're watching you. They've been watching you. And I believe he's here because you're here. And I believe he's going to be here because you're still here. And what happens is your decisions that you are making and we're making, we're actually training them through their journey. Going to church, not going to church. Worshiping or not worshiping. Being faithful or not being faithful. Was doing what? It was training your children and your children's children what to do in a crisis. What to do in a moment. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 1. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 4 and 1. Let a man so account of us. 
I've written it down wrong. What it says is it's required of a steward to be found. Everybody shout faithful. Shout it again, faithful. You know what that means? Consistent. You have trained that. Brother, Brother Brown, I want you to stand again. What happens is now you can teach wisdom from experience to your son and to your grandson. That's why we need elders among us. Because they could say it was worth it. It will be worth it. I want to say to every parent here right now, your decision of what you're doing now, how is it going to affect your kids later? For the decisions that you make now, would you put those now glasses on? What you do now is going to affect him later. Whether good or whether bad. My daddy made a decision at your age. He was cold on God. He wasn't going to go to church one night. My mom said, Frank, you're not getting ready. He said, I, I'm not going to go tonight. And uh, I said, well, why? She said, he said, because my back's hurting me. And she looked at him and she said, Frank, your back's not hurting that bad. He said when she said that, it stirred him. And he said to himself, what's going to happen to my boys if I don't remain faithful? He said it stirred his heart. He said I was cold on God. But I got up. I went to church. I sat in the seat. He said I don't remember what the preacher preached. But I said God, if you'll move on me one more time. If you'll move on me one more time. He said, God, I'll never leave. He said, I went down to that altar and God moved upon me and refilled me with his spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I'm in church today because at that age, my daddy made a decision to live for God. Amen. Somebody clap your hands. I think you ought to thank God for every faithful person in your world. Everybody that's ever prayed for you. Come on. I think you ought to take a moment. There's a, there's a move of God's presence in here right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, we need this to understand that the decisions we make will impact more than us. Let's talk about the future of the church right now. Let's talk about what God is doing at this church. When you all picture a field of sheep, everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. When you picture that, what kind of field do you picture? What do you picture? When you picture the shepherd and the sheep, what do the sheep look like? Anybody ever look at the sheep? What do the sheep look like? Come on, help me now. You ever look at the shepherd with the sheep? What do they look like? What color are those sheep? You see white wool, don't you? Yeah. How, how big are the sheep or how small are the sheep? What, what do the sheep look like? Healthy sheep. Oh, healthy sheep. Here's our problem. When we picture the field of sheep, we pictured one age on those sheep. All the sheep are the same size. Can I get a witness from somebody? But that's not what Jesus said. He told Simon Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. But he went on to say, if you love me, feed my lambs. This picture in the background, you can't see it very clear. But you'll see there's a mature sheep there, but there's also lambs that are there. Every hurt, every healthy flock of sheep should have lambs in it. Not just everybody that's 
all been living for God for a bunch of years. We ought to have new babies being born all the time in the church. Whatever lambs all over this room, amen, people that were just born again, they're new to this. They've never tasted of the, of the waters yet, but they're going to. Come on, is there anybody that says we want a flock of sheep, amen, that's filled with lambs in the church? There's a bunch of lambs in the building. Amen, amen. Jump to your feet. I'm, I'm wrapping this up. Somebody shout, the lambs are here. Boy, they, one week ago, they had dope on their breath. They had drugs in their blood. They had cheating with their hands and stealing with their hands. But you know what? They're only doing that because the Bible says that a thief is hungry. He's stealing because he's looking for something he doesn't have. That's right. The Bible says they're hungry. You know what? What they've been looking for in material things. How many know they can find in the presence of Almighty God? What the drugs couldn't give. What alcohol could not provide. How many know when Jesus gets a hold of you? You'll say it was only Jesus that could satisfy my soul. Brother Nehemiah, if you had an opportunity tonight, run over here. What would you tell the person that their life has been spent in partying and money and drugs and alcohol? You've been down that. You can look over your life and say, I remember where I used to live. It's been a long time now. But if I could tell me when I was a teenager... When they was inviting you to the party and getting you to do the rap and, and travel to New York and do the things, what would you tell yourself at that age? Don't do it. Don't move. Stay right where you're at. Find a praying man. Find a man of God in your life. There's one coming. In about 25 years, 30 years, he's going to come from the hills of West Virginia. His name's Aaron Bounds. Now, when you hear of his name, you're going to have to trust it. And you follow him as he follows Christ. And you're going to be all right. Don't touch the drugs. Because the people that are touching drugs in your life are going to die before they're 25. They're going to be in jail and in prison. But there's a man of God coming for you. He's going to help you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And that's the truth anyhow. Thank you. I'll tell you the answer is Jesus tonight. It's Jesus. He's the answer. Brother Nehemiah, I appreciate your kind words about me tonight. But there is something in this room tonight you got to understand. Don't you listen to the voice of the devil that comes to tell you you just need to live it up. Just do whatever you want to do. No, there's a, there's a, there's a check that you can't cash. When you get at the end of all that pleasure, it's going to be bondage. And you listen to this preacher. You're going to regret every day that you ever walked into alcoholism and the drug addiction and the immorality of the world. You didn't say no to sin and yes to God. Is there anybody that can witness that? There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Brown hasn't been a good life living for God. It's been a great life. Any regrets ever walking with the Lord? No regrets. I don't have any regrets living for God, Brother Nehemiah. Not one day. It's been an amazing life. 
If there was no God, I would still enjoy this life. And I'm not hinting that that's even a possibility. But what I'm saying is, it's been such an amazing life. I'd live it all over again. But because there is a God that's so amazing, He picks me up when I'm down. He's the lifter of my head. He's the forgiver when I fail. He's everything that I need. Aren't you glad you know who He is tonight? His name is Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's the author and the finisher. And what he saw at the cross was you. The song says, millions have come. There's still room for one. Oh, there's room at the cross. For you, he said no to the flesh because he saw a future of greatness. And if you're ever going to have retirement, to have a relationship with your family, even down to taking care of your health, you have to say no to what your flesh wants now. I'll do it with my glasses. Couldn't stand to wear them anymore, could you? You have to say no to now. Nope. If I ate two pieces of that pie, I'm going to be miserable three weeks from now. Because I'm going to be craving pie and sweets every day if I get out of balance. And I'm going to lose all my energy and go back to feeling like a slob again. Can I get a witness from somebody? I'm going to crave it every day. But if I just do it in moderation, it's okay. A little honey's not bad for you. But too much honey, the Bible says, is bad for you. I'm going to say no now so I can live better tomorrow. I'm going to say no to that what I want now so I can have a retirement in the future. I'm going to say no to my kid now so they will say no later. They're throwing a tantrum over here off of the Holy Ghost. They're kicking and screaming and bucking and guilting and all kinds of stuff. Well, what do you think, honey? Maybe, maybe we ought to go ahead and let him play another five hours on the video game. We don't want to make him cry. He's going to make you cry later. If they don't learn no now, they're not going to learn no later. Sometimes we have to override what we want now because we got a binocular mentality based on a Bible mentality. I say we think about future the next time we make a decision. There's a call of repentance in this room. Anybody feel that? Anybody feel that? How many ever made mistakes you regret? You ever made a mistake, Brother Brown? Brother Burke? You ever made a mistake? You're going to make more. You remember what I tell you? There's a God that loves you that when you go to fall, go ahead, you're going to fall. He picks you up. He's not against you. He's for you. But you've got to be willing to be wrong so you can get back up again. And then at your age, before you get to him, you're going to make some mistakes. Just when you make a mistake, come forward. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't backslide. And don't ever let the devil tell you you're not good enough.
Today in this room, there's many people that need to rededicate. There's many people that need to give your life to God. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. There's a call of God right now that's best based totally on future. The old song says, millions have come. There's still room for one. There is room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Do you believe that today? Help me pray. There's room at the cross for you. For millions have come. There's still room for one. There is room at the cross for you. Won't you get somebody and say, let's go pray together. Come on, I think everybody ought to start coming. There is room at the cross for you. <laughs> There's room. Talk to God the way you would be. I'm sorry, God. Millions have come. There's still. There is.